Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. We need, and we haven't done this yet, to centralize our public health system. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. We have done exactly what needed to be done, which is provide and give an effective vaccine. The key for gun safety reform advocates is to think about this in the long term. These times when change happen, often brief, so you want to get as much accomplished as possible. This is KCBS In-Depth. It's a recall effort that many political watchers never expected to get off the ground. But here we are just over a week away from Election Day. And Governor Newsom, while leading in the polls, is still caught in a pitched battle for his political life. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Menconi, and today on the program, we're going to check in on the latest developments in California's recall election and also take a broader look at what this political upheaval will mean for the state going forward. Starting things off, we're going to invite onto the show now, as we often do when faced with so many political questions, KCBS political reporter and the host of the state of California, Doug Sovereign. Doug, welcome back onto KCBS In Depth. Thank you, Keith. I accept your gracious invitation. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so let's start at the beginning, because uh, as I know from my own social circle, there are uh, an awful lot of Californians who are still only just now tuning into this whole political drama. Uh, but it does, of course, have quite a, a bit of history. So just briefly, how does this uh, long shot recall, how did it get off the ground in the first place? Well, you know, California has had the recall provision in the Constitution for over 100 years, back to Governor Hiram Johnson and, and the reform movement. It never amounted to anything until 2003 when Gray Davis was recalled uh, and replaced by Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course. So this is the second time that a recall has qualified for the ballot. And frankly, pretty much every governor now, somebody starts a petition drive or more than one to recall them. Jerry Brown, anybody. Um, but, you know, Gavin Newsom was no exception. Uh, but this one gathered steam and got on the ballot mainly, well, for a couple of reasons. One, there was a lot of um, unhappiness with the way he was handling the pandemic among people who had voted against him in the first place and would never vote for him. Um, but what really got it on the ballot this time was that the combination of the pandemic uh, disgruntlement and then his ill-fated trip to the French laundry, which made him look like a hypocrite. And then a judge gave an extension, um, uh, four extra months to gather signatures. This thing would not have made it on the ballot without that extension. But because of the pandemic and the difficulty that created for the, for the petition gatherers, they got extra time. And that is when it really started taking on some steam, 
some momentum. They got some money donated to hire some paid petition gatherers, and they were able to get enough signatures to get it on the ballot, which is a low bar in California. You only need 12% of the voters from the last election to get on the ballot, which is about half what you need in most other states that have recalls. And so it qualified, and here we are. Here we are indeed, you know, really a, a perfect storm from the perspective of the governor. A lot of things uh, came together to make this possible. Let's check in on the state of the race currently. It was looking pretty tight there for a while, uh, but we've gotten some new polling that is showing Governor Newsom pulling away. Well, it depends. I mean, the, the PPIC poll, their latest poll, Public Policy Institute of California, one of the best respected polls in the state, has always had it about where they have it now, which is 58% of likely voters saying they're going to vote against the recall, and I think it's 39% in favor. Their polling has been pretty steady. I mean, every month it's been in that 56, 58% against, and 37, 38, 39% for. So there hasn't been much wavering in what they've found. There are other polls, though, that have showed it much, much closer, uh, an outlying Survey USA poll, but other polls have showed that um, when you look at likely voters, it tightens to a few points, maybe only 50% in favor of Newsom and 47 said they'd vote for the recall. So uh, that's why we all think it's so close. But this PPIC poll, I think, is something of a, of a sigh of relief for the Newsom camp because it's showing them that, you know, the recall proponents are not gaining momentum. They're, they're not widening their base of people, despite what you see on social media, despite what you may hear from some voters it looks like Newsom's holding that gap. And as we see, people are voting already. Almost a quarter of the people have already cast their ballots. And the majority of those votes are coming from Democrats and they're outperforming their registration numbers. So there are good signs for Newsom that he's going to hang on and, and beat this thing back. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about who the challengers are. It's a very wide open field. We're talking about 46 candidates that are going to appear on that ballot. Most of them Republicans. And that, of course, is by design on the part of the Democrats who did not want to see a major Democrat name uh, running against Newsom. Uh, Leading in the polls fairly consistently since the uh, official names uh, came forward for the challengers has been Larry Elder, the uh, longtime conservative uh, radio talk show host. Uh, Run through... uh, uh, what we should expect to see from that candidates list? Well, 46 candidates, and you've never heard of 40 of them. So <laughs> most of them are people who they're not even asterisks in the polls. They're, you know, they might as well be typos on the ballot. I mean, no disrespect intended, but their mothers will vote for them and maybe a few neighbors. Uh, but then you've got, of course, Larry Elder, who the polling shows, yeah, 25, 26, 27% of the people who are selecting a candidate say they'll, they'll vote for him. Then you drop and incredible, down. That's all you need to be a front runner in this thing. This is true. I mean, you could win it with 20% when there's 46 people on the ballot. Then you drop down in that PPIC poll to 5% where you've got a whole group bunched. That includes Kevin Faulkner, the former mayor of San Diego. It includes businessman John Cox, who got trounced by Newsom as the Republican on the ballot three years ago. Uh, it includes Kevin Kiley, a smart young assemblyman who's you know probably not quite ready for prime time, but has impressed some people. No longer includes Doug Osi, the former congressman who dropped out of the race and endorsed Kylie uh, after he suffered a heart attack. Kevin Pathrath, meet Kevin, as he likes to be called, uh, is probably the best known of those Democrats. He's a 29-year-old real estate investor who's got a following on YouTube. But even he, in most of the polls, is not getting out of the single digit. So it's likely at the moment that Larry Elder is going to win that replacement race. But, you know, a big chunk of the electorate, 30, 40 percent, Um, still don't know who they're going to vote for or they're going to leave it blank. So you're going to see a big drop off between the number of of votes on yes or no on the recall and the number actually voting for one of those candidates.
Yeah. All right. So a lot of names to wade through right there. Uh, We are going to get into uh, some meteor political topics in just a second. But really, just to make sure that we get all the basic basics covered, let's talk about what voters are going to encounter when they look at that ballot. Of course, uh, for registered voters, ballots should already be out. I received mine in the mail a couple of weeks back. And uh, there are going to be other ways to vote, too. I I know that uh, in Santa Clara County, at least, uh, the vote centers are open this weekend. So a lot of different ways to vote. But what voters voters will see on those ballots is going to be a little bit different from what they're probably used to, Doug. Uh, uh, run us through that. It's two questions. Yeah, it's just a two-part ballot. The one question is, should the governor, should Governor Gavin Newsom be recalled, in parentheses, they write it, removed, so people understand what that means, recalled, removed from office? And the second question is, which of these people do you want to replace him if he is recalled? Now, you don't have to vote on both. Uh, you're being asked to vote on both. Officially, you should vote on both. The Newsom campaign has run this campaign saying, just forget the second question, just vote no. And in fact, it's true that if a majority votes no, the second part is moot. But a 50% plus one vote to recall the governor, then yeah, whoever finishes first on that second part will be the next governor. Newsom is not on that list. The lieutenant governor's not on that list. There's no prominent Democrat. You cannot write them in. There's an official list of write-in candidates. It does not include Newsom or Eleni Kunalakis, the lieutenant governor, so don't write them in. If you write in someone who's not qualified, your dog, Buster Posey, your Aunt Mabel, the <laughs> governor, they will not, that vote won't be counted. But your yes or no vote will still be counted. Mm. All right. So a couple of nitty gritty points for everybody to keep in mind there. I want to uh, let anybody know who's just joining the program that you are listening to KCBS In Depth, your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Menconi, joined right now by KCBS political reporter Doug Sovereign. Uh, all right. Now that we are up to date on the state of play in this race, uh, let's dig into some of the, as we said, uh, meteor political questions uh, that this election is raising about California politics. For that part of the conversation, we're going to welcome onto the program now. Dan Schnur. He is a longtime California political strategist who's worked on four presidential and three gubernatorial campaigns. Uh, He's now a professor of three California universities, including USC, uh, and then a little bit closer to home, UC Berkeley's Institute of Governmental Studies. So (laughs) quite the resume there, uh, really making me work for my pay on this show, uh, Dan Schnur. Uh, Welcome to the program. Keith, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I love the idea of Buster Posey for governor. (laughs) Let's see if it's still time to pull that off. If anybody can make it happen, uh, maybe this is the brain trust to do it. Um, So I want to start with probably the the most perplexing question for somebody who's just starting to pay attention to to this. Why is it that in a state so heavily Democratic uh, that Governor Newsom is having such a difficult time, Dan Schnur, uh, that it's close at all. I mean, uh, a lot of my friends are, are shocked to hear how close it was uh, in recent weeks. Um, and it seems like a lot of that just boils down to the uh, enthusiasm of, of Democrats relative to the enthusiasm of Republicans. Who's actually going to turn out? Well, that, you, you've, exactly, you've nailed it exactly right, Keith. There's a, a very large cohort in the state of progressive Democrats who would not vote for a Republican candidate for any office if you put a gun to their head and a knife to their throat. But they're just not all that into Gavin Newsom. They voted for him three years ago because he was running against a Republican, Um, even though on many issues, he has very strong progressive credentials. Many California Democrats consider him to be too centrist and too establishment. And in a year in which they've been dealing with COVID and wildfires and school shutdowns and reopenings, they're just not all in that great a mood. So what Newsom Newsom doesn't have to worry about that group of voters 
switching over and voting for the recall. He just has to worry about them not voting at all. And the polls that have showed the race closer than, uh, than this week's PPIC poll have demonstrated that when all registered voters turn out, Newsom beats the recall by a very large margin. But in many uh, of the polls, not all of them PPIC being an exception, when, it's the, when voters are screened for how likely they are to vote, the race gets much, much closer. And Newsom and his team have correctly identified their primary goal is convincing those progressive Democrats to turn out. That's why you're seeing ads with Elizabeth Warren and with, and with Bernie Sanders and why Kamala Harris and Joe Biden might be coming to the state. Not to convince these people to love Gavin Newsom, but to convince them there's something to be really feared by his replacement, but his potential replacements. Yeah. And Doug, um, expand on that a little bit. I mean, I know that you've been following the Newsom campaign uh, pretty closely. What is what is the main case uh, that Governor Newsom has been making? I know that he has been trying to link the front runner, um, Larry Elder, to Trump uh, in any way that he can. And he's been calling this a, uh, a recall campaign that's been brought by Trump supporters. So there is some efforts to link uh, in the California voters' mind this recall efforts to Trump. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, the gift for, for Newsom was when Elder got into this race, because initially it was stop the Trump Republican recall, Trump Republican, Trump Republican. That's hard to do. And it's he's not on the ballot. Right. It's an abstract thing connecting Kevin Faulkner or John Cox to Donald Trump. But when Larry Elder is there and you can link him directly to Trump and Larry Elder has his own controversial and sometimes outrageous views, um, now it's Larry Elder, Larry Elder, Larry Elder. And that, I think, is what has really galvanized those Democrats who weren't paying much attention. They're saying, oh, my God, this guy could be our governor. That's what's getting them off the couch to fill out that ballot and vote no. And you've seen a shift in the Newsom ad campaign. They're still saying vote no on the Republican recall. All their ads call it the Republican recall. But as Dan said, you're seeing Warren and Sanders, um, you know, to get the progressives because they know they need the young progressives who haven't been voting that much yet in this election. But you're seeing some more outreach to the Latino community now because they know they need the Latinos. But what you're really seeing is a lot of scare ads warning you about the things Larry Elder will do, talking very specifically about the, the pandemic and saying, we cannot afford to have this guy. And that is the thrust of the Newsom campaign. I think it's working because now you've got a very clear choice for him. Uh, for the for the voters between the governor we've got and the polling shows the most Californians do approve of the way Gavin Newsom has handled the pandemic. It's it's not even that close. Um, a choice between what we're getting and what we could get if you allow Larry Elder to come in. And they're not even talking about the other Republican candidates. And I don't think many of them have a shot. I mean, Kevin Faulkner is really kind of the big loser here, too moderate for the base of the Republican Party in California. Uh, so that's the way Newsom is, is painting it now, and I think it's working to his benefit. Let's talk a little bit more about how the pandemic is playing into all this. Uh, as Doug kind of laid out at the beginning of the conversation, a lot of the original momentum that the recall campaign enjoyed was as a result of uh, Newsom's missteps on the one hand uh, with the French Laundry, but also just the fact that the pandemic was getting so much worse and uh, Californians were really feeling the, the, the pain to such a degree. And now... We see the uh, pandemic getting worse once again, uh, to a lot of people's surprise. Um, uh, Dan Schnur, uh, once again, with uh, UC Berkeley's Institute of Governmental Studies, how do you see that playing into the campaign going forward? I guess there's a, there's a, there's a couple of things uh, to think about here, Keith. Uh, Mark Baldessari, 
who is the very smart president of the Public Policy Institute of California, who runs the poll we've been talking about, has essentially dubbed this the pandemic election. And I think he's, he's exactly right. Uh, last year, the sponsors of the recall were really struggling to get anyone to sign their petitions. And it wasn't until last November, when at the same time that Governor Newsom called for a much more stringent shutdown of California and was warning us about not gathering for the holidays, for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, for Hanukkah, and so on, at the same time that he was found to have attended this now infamous dinner in, uh, in Napa Valley. After that dinner, that's when the recall petitions really took off. And they gathered over a million signatures just in the weeks after that dinner. So the pandemic allowed the recall to qualify. Last spring, when it looked like the state was beginning to open up, it began to appear that Newsom had a, a safer lead uh, in terms of defeating the recall. Earlier this summer, when the Delta variant began to emerge, that's when we began to show polls showing that the race was very close, at least among likely voters. And now the other really interesting thing in this week's PPIC poll is completely aside from the way voters feel about the recall election itself, voters by double the margin they did in last January, voters approve with over 70% of the way Newsom has handled the pandemic. They don't like masks and vaccines and social distancing, but generally they're giving a lot more credit than they did earlier this summer and more than anything that's fueled his improvement in the polls in the in the in the context of the recall. And, and, and what should we read into that? Because obviously the the lockdown measures have been very uncomfortable, very disruptive. Uh, nobody likes well, most people don't like wearing masks. Uh, and here, as uh, some people have reported, uh, Governor Newsom seems to be leaning into his uh, tough on covid message. Uh, should we just understand that as Californians now being more afraid of covid than they are angry at Newsom? Well, I would say this that the best campaigners in more conventional elections always try to frame an election as a choice. Joe Biden used to like, used to, like to say, compare me to the alternative, not to the almighty. Hmm. And what Newsom is doing is as much as he's running against Larry Elder, Doug, not surprisingly, is exactly right on that. As aggressively as Newsom is running against Larry Elder, he's running just as aggressively against the states of Florida and Texas. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, you might not love all the things I'm asking for, but you really want to be going through what they're dealing with in those other states. And for the most part, California voters are saying, no, we don't want that. And that uh, and that seems to have have elevated Newsom considerably heading into the last week or so. I think Dan is exactly right. I think that Californians, however they feel about you know, opening and closing and opening and closing and lockdowns and mandates, uh, they look at what's going on around the country with the Delta variant, and they see that we're in much better shape in California than a lot of other places are. And I don't think they blame, you know, at least most Democrats and most independents, Republicans not so much, don't blame the governor for the steps that are being taken. Uh, They see that actually they've kept them safe and alive in many cases, particularly in the Bay Area, that's true. Uh, and so the, the, there's a, the, they don't hold him personally responsible for, for what they have to do to get through this pandemic. And I do think Dan is right. They, even though the Newsom campaign has not hit as hard on the Florida and Texas thing as maybe they could have, it's easy for people to see what's going on in the South and in places where there aren't vaccine mandates and mask mandates and say, well, we don't have that here. So we're doing a pretty good job. Yeah. All right. I'm going to reintroduce you both one more time. Uh, 
reminding everybody that they are listening to KCBS in depth. I'm Keith Manconi talking about the upcoming recall election against Governor Newsom now just over a week away with KCBS political reporter Doug Sovereign, also joined right now by Dan Schnur, a longtime California political strategist who's a professor at three California universities, including UC Berkeley's Institute of Governmental Studies. Uh, All right. So let's try to get a handle on what the other major issues are in the race. Uh, I know, Doug, that you've watched uh, some of the debates that have taken place among the challengers. What are people talking about there? Uh, Homelessness, the housing crunch. uh, What are are the major issues in California that have risen to the surface uh, among these challengers? Well, let's be clear. There are, of course, major issues. And before the pandemic, homelessness and housing was number one in California. But all those other issues have been obliterated by the pandemic, by the wildfires uh, in recent weeks, by, you know, things like Afghanistan. Um, People are most concerned about um, coronavirus and, you know, wildfire, climate change, things like that. Homelessness is there, of course, and it's gotten worse. And the Republicans have been hitting hard on crime, you know, rising crime on homelessness. Water is an issue, the same issues we've had for years in California, and they will once again take their place at the top of that list once we're past the pandemic. Uh, But at the moment, everything is sort of dwarfed by pandemic management. But sure, school choice, uh, water wars, uh, you know, policy on that, how are you going to fix homelessness? They've all got plans. Uh, And those are things that obviously people care very deeply about in California, but those are not the things that are driving this race because if they were, uh, Newsom would be in more trouble because, you know, he's vulnerable on homelessness. He's vulnerable on crime. Republicans are hitting those things hard, and I don't see them getting that much traction. Mm. Uh, Dan Schner, I mean, would you agree with this? If this is the pandemic, uh, if this is the pandemic recall, then are we not in a good position to read into this recall anything about the state of California politics, uh, by which I mean, does this tell us anything about the general sense of discontent that many Californians are, are, are feeling right now? Or, or is this just not the recall to tell us anything about, you know, California's overall sentiments? Well, in fact, uh, public opinion polls show that Californians are noticeably more positive about the state's future than they have been recently. So there's a there seems to be at least a sense of perseverance. You know, no one likes the COVID restrictions and the challenges that it presents, uh, but there does seem to be a sense of determination in public opinion polling. I think Doug outlined very effectively not just the issues dominating the recall, but the issues most likely to dominate Newsom's reelection campaign next year should he survive the recall later this month. I'd add one to that list, which is a tremendous stroke of good luck for the governor and his team, an issue that really hasn't mattered much in state politics recently because it's been considered a settled issue for so long, is the issue of abortion rights. And the decision on the state of Texas um, to impose what many would call a very draconian limit on the uh, number of abortions available in that state and the decision by the US Supreme Court not to put a stay on the new Texas law. Now they haven't ruled that it's constitutional yet, but they're not putting a stay on it. This has elevated the issue of abortion rights in a way that has not been the case in this country for many, many years. And even though Elder and the other Republicans, both pro-life and pro-choice argue that it's an issue of minimal relevance in a state race, if it's an issue that voters care about in a deep blue, state bordering on indigo like California, Hmm. it's even less likely 
that voters are going to elect a Republican to office than they would under more conventional circumstances. It's true. That's, you know, that puts the Republicans on the, on the defensive. And there are single issue abortion voters in California who will never risk voting for a Republican. And that only works to Newsom's benefit. Yeah. All right. Another interesting political development in the closing days of this race. Uh, just have a few minutes left, but I uh, want to raise a couple more issues with you. In, in particular, one of the controversial approaches that Governor Newsom has taken to this race is to encourage voters not to vote for, uh, well, encourages supporters anyway, not to vote for uh, somebody in that second question, uh, who to replace him. Um, Doug, what exactly has Governor Newsom been saying there and uh, what's the logic behind that appeal? Yeah, you know, I wrote a whole blog post about this on the Sovereign Nation blog uh, that I thought it was a big mistake. I mean, from Newsom's point of view, it's smart, I suppose, tactically. Keep it simple, simple message, vote no, don't worry about the rest. From the point of view of the voters, though, to me, you're being asked to vote. So vote. There's two things. Why would you leave your the choice to the people who want him recalled if you're against the recall? So he has a he's just simplified it, boiled it down to vote no on the recall. Don't muddy the waters. He doesn't want to repeat the mistake of 2003 when Lieutenant Governor Cruz Bustamante ran on the vote no on the recall, but vote for me just in case as a backup. It was a big mess. He lost badly. Democrats were confused. He wants to clar- clarify it, and it seems to be working for him. And I think most Democrats or at least a sizable plurality are gonna leave that second part blank. I've had so many asking me, what do I do? Who should I vote for? And you know, <laughs> half of the 46, I think 24 of them are Republicans, but there's nine Democrats and a couple of Greens and a Libertarian and 10 uh, no party preference candidates. It's a motley crew of, of people who probably lack the experience and wherewithal to be governor, but there is somebody you could vote for there. And my feeling is, Vote for somebody because that's what you're being asked to do. But again, the governor doesn't even want to go there, keep it simple. And I think it's probably working for him. And Dan Schnur, uh, again, with UC Berkeley's Institute of Governmental Studies, I know that you've had some harsh words for Governor Newsom on this point. Well, uh, Ian, given Newsom's efforts to prevent any other Democrat from running and given his efforts to convince Democrats not to vote on the second question, the governor's taking an immense risk. And if you do believe the Public Policy Institute poll, then it looks like that risk may pay off. But as Doug said earlier, it is still entirely possible, and I'll add particularly in an off-year low turnout election, if you believe that there is at least some possibility or that there has been some possibility that the recall would pass even by one vote, Newsom has left his party and his deep blue state very, very exposed to the near certainty that a Republican would replace him as governor. My own feeling is that if he dodges that bullet and does survive, it's something that will not be remembered for a long time. But it strikes me as a tremendously selfish act. Hmm. And that rather than saying, while I'd like to be governor, there's plenty of other Democrats who I'd rather have replace me than Larry Elder or John Cox or or Kevin Kiley or Kevin Faulkner, the uh, efforts to prevent any other Democrat from being there as a safety net really does uh, strike me as self-interest. Now, politicians are self-interested. That's why they're politicians. And the risk may pay off, but it is an immense risk nonetheless. I do think that from Newsom's point of view, he probably figured if we have the lieutenant governor or any viable Democrat on that list, there may be too many Democrats who either say, oh, it's not that big a deal. If he gets recalled, we'll have this other Democrat or so they won't bother voting, 
Or they'll say, well, I don't really like it, but oh, this wouldn't be so bad. And he just wanted to avoid that completely. But I agree with Dan's characterization of it. I, I would not have done it if I were him, but I'm not the governor and then he doesn't listen to me. <laughs> so we'll see how it all turns out September 14th. I'm, I'm sure he's uh, wrapped on your blogs every word, Doug Sovereign. Mm, um, sure. <laughs> we, uh, but we will find the answers to all these questions in not too much more time. Uh, certainly uh, a, a strange confluence of political events that has brought us to where we are. Uh, but uh, time will tell. Uh, we have been speaking so far to KCBS political reporter Doug Sovereign once again. Doug, thank you so much. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for having me. And thanks as well to Dan Schnur. He is a longtime California political strategist, now a professor at three California universities, including UC Berkeley. Dan Schnur, thank you as well. Thank you very much, Keith. I really appreciate it as well. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Menconi. Stay safe, be well. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.